Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Oakland Coliseum in sunny California. It's the Indians for the Oakland Athletics 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what did I say? What did I say when we started the second half of the season? Focus on winning series. Focus on winning series, and that's exactly what the Indians did. They lose the first one, but they come back and win the next two games to win the three-game set in Oakland. And that's got to be a good feeling in that locker room, getting on that plane, heading down to Houston. So let's get into the storylines. Let's get into how they did it. And the big storyline going into the game was that Cesar Hernandez was getting the day off. I don't know why you need a day off. You know, three days after the All-Star break ended, they didn't. I didn't hear anything if he tweaked anything or anything like that. I, I didn't hear anything. So just a day off for Cesar Hernandez. And that means that they needed somebody to hit leadoff. And I tweeted out that, yeah, uh, Cesar Hernandez is an obvious trade candidate here with the plethora of middle infielders that are just sitting there waiting on the bench at AAA And, I mean, that includes Yu Chang. That includes Ernie Clement, who's on the team right now. um, And, obviously, a ton of other names. It makes a lot of sense, you know? So, you could get some value for Cesar Hernandez. So, that would leave one huge gaping question. Now, who would play second base? Who is going to hit leadoff? I mean, it was a question they were struggling with the entire offseason coming into this. It was a question they were struggling with all spring training. For the first month of the season, they messed around with, you know, Ben Gamble and Jordan Luplo hitting leadoff. And it just, it clicks with Cesar Hernandez. His on-base, he's not having a typical Cesar Hernandez season because he's hitting for ridiculous power. But the offense has clicked a little bit with him in the leadoff spot. So with him gone, who's going to hit leadoff today? Well, the honors went to local kid Bradley Zimmer playing in front of his hometown California crowd. Daniel Johnson also uh, you know, grew up going to Oakland games, uh, so he's playing in front of his home crowd. Bradley Zimmer would get the nod as the leadoff hitter. And Indians Twitter was just disgusted with this idea, right? They were just absolutely hammering this call. Hey, I tweeted it out. You know, I tweeted out someone, you know, take a look at this lineup because this is what it might look like if Cesar Hernandez gets traded. And Bradley Zimmer, who obviously his batting average hasn't been great, his on-base percentage actually was respectable. Going into the game, um, yeah, it it was surprising to me, but especially against right-handed pitching, his batting average was it was respectable. Um, he had a 365 on base percentage going into the game and 385 specifically against right-handed pitching. Now his expected weighted on base percentage was only 318, which that is a reflection of balls that he's putting in play. Based on where you're putting things on the field, what do they expect your on base percentage to be? But I don't think it accounts for the fact that he's drawn 15 walks, 12 of them against right-handed pitching. So, uh, from the Indians' perspective, you know, this is kind of what they do. They look at on-base percentage and say, hey, I know the batting average isn't stellar, but could this guy get on base twice in a game? 
Well, up in the 380s, yeah, there is a chance this guy could get on base twice in a game, especially once via the walk. So they throw him in the leadoff spot. What ends up happening? He has one of the best games of his professional career. That's what ends up happening. I mean, he literally could do no wrong yesterday. First pitch of the freaking game, he smokes a home run to center field, just right of center, and uh, has an exit velocity of 112, 423 feet. That was a monster home run on a first pitch fastball that Bassett was like, okay, first pitch of the game, let's go get strike one, let's set a good tone here, fastball, here it comes, and Bradley Zimmer absolutely destroys it. Uh, We do not have traditional leadoff hitters on this team. We've never really had traditional leadoff hitters that are going to, you know, work the count, make the guy throw every pitch that he's got, you know, so the team can get a good look at him. We've always had, from from the Grady Sizemore days on up, we've always had guys that have been aggressive at the top of the lineup. And that's exactly what Bradley Zimmer is here. And uh, it pays off. It turns into a first pitch home run. Now, he would go on to be an RBI machine. He would finish the day. Uh, three for five with one run scored on his home run, but three RBIs on the day. That is incredible. The only run he didn't account for was Daniel Johnson's solo home run in the seventh inning. So he comes up again in the fifth inning. And uh, after uh, Daniel Johnson singles with one out, Ernie Clement bunts. And then moves him up to, uh, I, I don't know if he was bunting for a hit there. I don't know what was going on with Ernie Clement. Uh, but it moves him up to second. And then Bradley Zimmer takes one on a 2-2 pitch off the handle. Gets jammed a little bit, but it works out in his favor. And he ends up lining one, 76.4 mile per hour exit velocity. Kind of blooping one into center field. And Daniel Johnson comes around to score easily. Even though their center fielder, uh, who was playing center field? Luriano came up firing for them yesterday. Uh, it was cut off at the pitcher's mouth. So Daniel Johnson scores easily. And now Bradley Zimmer has a second RBI in the day. It was one of those situations where if you don't get jammed, if you get the barrel on the ball, he might have lined out to the center fielder. But because he got it off the barrel or off the handle, it kind of uh, it kind of deadened it and dropped it right into center field. And then in the ninth inning, why not? We've already got a 3-2 lead. Let's get a little bit of insurance. Mercado Gets on via the error, ends up on second base. After a flyout and a popout, that brings up Bradley Zimmer with two outs. And this time, he hits a nice little single into right field. Again, 79.7 mile per exit velocity. Sometimes you don't got to hit it hard. This one looked like he just took a nice, easy swing. If I remember, let's go to the matchup. I believe this was an off-speed pitch. I believe, yes, it was a curveball, and he hung back on this one. There's almost a little hitch at the top of his swing. When he brings the bat back, there's almost a little hitch, a little hesitation before he comes through because he's really sitting back on that curveball where other times he may have swung right through that thing. Uh, This time he was just completely locked in and hits a nice little single out to right field to bring in the final run of the game and give the Indians a little insurance heading into the bottom of the ninth because everything up until this point had been a one-run game. 
So to get a two-run lead going into that ninth inning, we saw how effective it was on Saturday, right? They needed that extra run on Saturday. So uh, that was big from Bradley Zimmer there. And then even in the outfield, even in the outfield, Loriano, I believe, let's see, what inning was it? It was the same inning that they hit their solo home run in the fifth inning. Uh, Loriano ends up hitting one out to center field, and it gets credited as a double. And it was a situation where Bradley Zimmer probably cuts this ball off 99.9% of the time. This one just hits off the tip of his glove. But this is how locked in Bradley Zimmer is. So he doesn't make two errors on the play, but in theory, uh, he, he makes two bad plays on the ball and still ends up getting the out. So he can't cut the ball off and ends up going to the wall. Uh, Loriano probably has a double anyways, but uh, having a roll to the wall definitely helps. So he recovers, misses the cutoff man. It rolls past both cutoff men, and it rolls wide of third base. Loriano decides when Jose Ramirez bails to go get the ball, he decides he could beat him in a foot race to third base, and he is dead wrong. Jose Ramirez scrambles back and slaps the tag on him as Liriano sliding into third. So Bradley Zimmer, even after not being able to cut off the ball, after missing the cutoff man, still ends up getting the out from center field. That's the kind of... He literally could do no wrong yesterday. Uh, his One of his two outs was a screaming line drive back to the pitcher that probably is a base hit Actually, we could look how often it's a base hit because we can look at the expected batting average. Let's see, what inning would that have been? And that was in the eighth inning to start the eighth inning. It had an expected batting average of 400 because most of the time a pitcher is not going to be able to react that fast and get their glove up and snag that line drive. And it's usually a single up the middle, 82 mile per hour exit velocity. Um, so yeah, even the outs he were making, he was making were loud outs, were some high expected batting average outs. So Bradley Zimmer, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna tease it out today. He is MVP for the day. I I don't know if he should be hitting leadoff tomorrow in Houston. I think you say Bradley Zimmer, you did fantastic. Take that good mojo, keep it going. You're gonna go back down to the seventh spot. You know, if Hernandez is healthy, I'm assuming Hernandez is healthy and he'll be back tomorrow. Um, and then keep that bottled up. Know that you can do that if we need to call on you again. If you run him out there for a week straight, he's probably going to end up losing those good vibes. He'll probably have a couple of bad games mixed in there. Let's let the the good vibes sit. Let's let him, you know, keep him bottled on the shelf, knowing that he could go hit leadoff and have a good day. Um, There's no need to push it. You know, if you're Terry Francona, you got what you wanted out of this day. So, We'll see. I mean, there's going to be some big decisions. I was telling everyone on Twitter, quit taking the micro view. Quit taking the micro view of one at bat. Oh, you got to get rid of this guy. A one bad play. You got, oh, this guy's terrible. Look at the macro view. Give guys time to develop. You cannot rush anything in baseball. Sometimes it takes a couple months for a guy in baseball to find his groove. Sometimes it takes a couple years in baseball for a guy to find his groove. Uh, the opposing pitcher, Bassett, is the perfect example of that. Uh, you know, a guy that has been in the major leagues for a while, Bassett has been here since 2014 with the White Sox, and he just found his groove kind of kind of in the 2019 season, kind of last year in, that, uh, in the um, pandemic season. He had one of the best ERAs 
in the American League. And then this year, he's the first time he's ever an All-Star. So, I mean, how many seasons later? Seven seasons later, and he's finally an All-Star after making his Major League debut? It takes time in Major League Baseball. So you have to look at the big picture. The trade deadline will determine some of these things, right? If you want to see uh, Andres Jimenez back up here or something like that, or if you're a big Owen Miller stand and you want to see him back up here, um, yeah, you just have to be a little patient. Let the trade trade deadline decide some things, and maybe you'll see your guy. So, all right, back into the storylines of this game. Uh, Daniel Johnson also had a big day. Uh, Daniel Johnson goes two for four. And with two runs scored and the big home run to center field. He had three hard hit balls on the day. Nobody had more smoke, more fire coming off his bat than Daniel Johnson did yesterday for the Indians. Um, Ahmed Rosario was the only other hitter with two hard hit balls on the day. Ahmed Rosario was two for five, but it didn't turn into anything because the three, four, five hitters in this lineup are really had a weak series. They really kind of struggled in this Oakland series. Aside from Fermil Reyes' giant home run, uh, to the uh, to the suites in center field. So Daniel Johnson, three hard hit balls on the day, gets two hits, including his first major league home run, and he smoked one to center field. What was the exit velocity on that one? Going back to the seventh inning, 104.8, 423 feet to center field. The exact same distance as uh, Bradley Zimmer's in the first because they both hit it off that facing out there above the wall in center field. Uh, yeah, Daniel Johnson, a great swing on a pitch, I believe, that was right down the pipe. Let's see what pitch that he got here. On a full count, he ends up taking a changeup, a changeup that is just left of the center of the plate, just enough for him to get his arms extended, and just underneath the letters, uh, between the letters and the belt, and he puts a Beautiful swing on it and absolutely smokes it. I'm guessing that is not where they called for that changeup. I'm guessing that changeup was probably called down and he just kind of left it hanging there for Daniel Johnson. So two of our young hitters taking advantage of two mistakes. And I mean, that those are the highlights on offense right there. Those two guys combined for, uh, you know, five of our nine hits. If you throw in Ahmed Rosario... Uh, Bobby Bradley singled and Roberto Perez had a single, but they did not turn into anything. So those were the hits for the Indians. Our next storyline, let's dive into the pitching. And somehow, Zach Plesak, despite giving up 12 hard-hit balls on the day, survives with a pretty good final line. Six innings pitched, only four hits allowed. In fact, only four hits were allowed to the entire Oakland offense. An offense that's pretty darn good, and uh, they only allow four hits to them. Two earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. He did give up a home run, but it was a solo home run. That one actually hurt. He gave it up to Seth Brown, the number nine hitter, who's only hitting 199, but he's got a 705 OPS because I believe that makes, I believe, let's go over to the box score. Yeah, his 11th home run on the season. And uh, I guess from the nine spot, if you could deliver 11 home runs, uh, you know, if you get anywhere around 20 home runs from the ninth spot, that's that's not bad. That's not a bad contribution uh, to the team effort there from Seth Brown. But that one hurt because the Indians had just taken the lead. We had just got the lead 
uh, two to one in the top of that fifth inning. And then Plesak gives it right back in the bottom of the fifth. I was actually thinking about that. I was driving in my car listening to this game. And I was actually thinking about that. I was like, all right, Plesak, we just gave you the lead. Don't give it right back. Come on, hang on to this thing. Don't give it right back. And sure enough, he gives it right back with two outs. Um, after that crazy Liriano play to get the first out at third base, could you imagine if Liriano had just hold the bag? That would have been a 3-2 game. That would have been a big, that out was a big difference maker yesterday. Uh, so Plesak, like I said, 12 hard hit balls. And the reason is because he just kept pounding the strike zone. If we go over to the illustrator, I'm telling you, everything is in the zone. The slider is in the zone. The changeup is in the zone. A bunch of curveballs dropped in the zone. And the fastball is definitely in the zone. Now, he did try throwing the fastball high and the changeup and the slider down. He did pull a couple of sliders across the zone. There's a decent amount of sliders here that broke down and away from those righties, down and in on those lefties. But for the most part, everything is in that strike zone. And if we go to the player breakdown, man, they were geared up for Zach Plesek. They were ready. On 87 pitches, they swung 50 times. 50 times and only 10 whiffs. Uh, he did get six called strikes, mostly on that fastball. It's good for only an 18% CSW on the day, but he did get, out of those 50 swings, 22 foul balls. So that really helped him. That really saved him yesterday, getting some inducing weak contact or, or awkward contact, at least on those foul balls. For everything they put in play, they were smoking it. They averaged a hard hit ball on every one of his pitches. It didn't matter if it was fastball, change, slide, or curve. All of them were hit over 95 miles per hour. His average exit velocity of the day was 97 miles per hour. So it didn't matter what he was coming with. They were swinging at it. They were swinging aggressively, and they were smoking it somewhere. Luckily, the defense was just locked in, including that last inning that he pitched, that sixth inning, I love that sixth inning because he's on a pitch count still coming back from injury, and he was getting close to it in that sixth inning. In fact, he passed it in that sixth inning, but he gets all three batters, the heart of their order, three, four, five, to all ground into the shift to get out of that sixth inning. Olsen grounds out the second, Lowry grounds out the second, and then Moreland grounds out the second, and Ernie Clement is just sitting back there in the grass just vacuuming up ground balls. And Mitch Moreland does him a favor because after Lowry's at bat, he has surpassed his pitch count. Everybody in the stadium knows this is the end for Zach Plesak. And what does Moreland do? Swings at the first pitch. And what does he do? Grounds at the second base. So uh, what did he throw him there to end the sixth? Let's see here. Threw him a slider. Threw a slider for a strike. I mean, it's in the zone, so I can't blame Moreland too much. But 104.5-mile ground ball to Ernie Clement. So like I said, smoked a ground ball, but Ernie Clement is right there sitting out in the grass with his vacuum, just scooping up everything. All right, so that was Plesak's side of it. On the other side, Bassett um, goes seven innings, six hits, three earned runs, eight strikeouts for Bassett. He was only hard hit five times on 94 pitches, including the two home runs. And he takes his first loss since this since the third start of the season. 
Bassett has had a crazy season. He starts off with a loss against Houston and a loss against the Dodgers and does not take another loss until yesterday. He had gone since April 6th without taking a loss. Now, there are a couple of no decisions in there. There are a couple of no decisions in there where he got rocked pretty good, like against Houston, the last time he faced Houston on July 6th, but it goes as a no decision. Uh, he gave up six runs in that one, eight hits and four and a third. So yeah, he had won 10 straight games uh, since then. He was on a winning streak that was getting close to an A's record. A few more, he would have been right up there in the A's record books. But the Indians hang a loss on him, and that was huge. To go in against an all-star pitcher who had been completely locked in since since April 6th. And this isn't with injuries or anything like this. He's pitching every five days. Uh, Yeah, this is absolutely, absolutely incredible. So the Indians, I mean, a great job by them facing a really tough pitcher, a guy who is from the Cleveland area, uh, a guy, oh, not the Cleveland area, I should say, um, the Ohio area. He grew up near Toledo, went to school in Akron, so he's a Mac kid. And he was throwing a little bit of everything. Fastball, sinker, slider, change, cutter, curveball 10 times. Uh, his CSW total on the day was 34%. Uh, the Indians swung 51 times. They were being aggressive, only whiffed 16 times. Uh, that's 31%. Uh, his best pitch, he only threw it 10 times. His curveball had a 40% CSW. His fastball had a 35%. His slider had a 35% CSW. So that's what he was working with there. Our average exit velocity off him was only 80.4. The only pitch that we really, well, the cutter, but we only hit that once, was 102.8. So yeah, most of his pitches we were averaging well below, uh, well below a hard hit ball exit velocity. On that slider, we put six of those sliders in play. We averaged 69.1 mile per hour exit velocity. So, yeah, I mean, Bassett did everything he could to keep the A's in that game. The Indians just had a little more yesterday, and then it comes down to the bullpen like it always does. And the bullpen for the Indians, it's the B squad, you know, for the Indians. Now, these guys have all pitched in high leverage situations, but, you know, playoffs, World Series game on the line, you're probably not going to Wickren, Maton, and Shaw in that order. And that's who they went to yesterday because. I can't remember if Sandlin pitched in both games, but uh, Karinchek and Classe had pitched in both games so far this weekend. So Francona wanted to see if he could get out of there and get those guys some rest and see if he could still get out of there with the win. And it absolutely worked. Wickren, clean inning, two strikeouts. I believe it went strikeout, ground out, strikeout. Maton comes on for the eighth. Maton, who's pitched in every freaking inning so far this season. He'll come in whenever Goes strikeout, ground out, strikeout. He has a clean inning. And then Shaw gets, I believe, two ground outs and then a big strikeout to end the game against Moreland. And Shaw also was facing 3-4-5 in the lineup. Gets Olsen to ground out, Lowry to ground out, and then Moreland to strike out. So it is a great job, a fantastic job by sort of the B squad in the bullpen there. And uh, they were just being aggressive. Wickren was pounding fastballs in there. 
Maton was throwing that fastball high and mixing in some sliders and some curveballs. And then Sean went straight cutters, just straight power cutters, throwing it all over the place. I'm not even sure he knew where it was going, but it works, it's effective, and he gets out of the game. So a great job by the Indians bullpen. Is that Shaw's first save? That might be oh his second save on the season. Second save. It's the first hold for Maton. Man, Maton is pitching some strange situations if that's his first hold for the season. Um, so yeah, it's a great job by the Indians bullpen. And uh, like I said, uh, obviously Zimmer was MVP for the day. Just, I mean, he carried this team on his back and had a fantastic game. So before we get out of here, we got to talk a little bit of big picture MLB news, uh, some national news. Obviously, what happened in the Nationals game the other day with the shooting outside the stadium, I was waiting to hear uh, the full story. I, I still don't feel like I've heard the full story of what the actual situation was. Was it completely unrelated to the baseball game? It just happened to be near the stadium. Was it in connection with the baseball game? Either way, it's a terrible, disgusting situation. You, I mean, these, these, shooting, these things going on in our country are absolutely sickening, and it's something that you, you now have to think about when you go to a big event. Like It has to sit in the back of your mind now, and that should never be the case. That should never happen. We should be able to get together and enjoy being together and celebrating our cities and celebrating our teams without worrying about things like that. And, you know, usually when things like this happen, you know, there there are, you do get some interesting human stories out of it. And in this case, it's the Padres players, and I'm sure the Nationals players too, although uh, the people have been talking about the Padres players who were literally going up into the stands and bringing people in the dugout for safety. And, I mean, that just shows you the character of some of those Padres players uh, that, at that point, nothing else mattered except making sure that as many people that could make it safely out of that stadium or make it safely into that stadium, right? Uh, as many people that could stay safe as possible. So, uh, I'm sure we will hear more about this, and, and it's just, it's, it's terrible. It's absolutely disgusting and terrible and sickening that something like that would happen at one of our Major League Baseball games. Um, on a lighter note, uh, the MLB trade deadline is coming, and it's coming hot and fast, but the only ones to really make a move so far, it feels like, are the Atlanta Braves, who, after losing Acuna Jr. for the season, went out and got Jack Peterson from the Cubs. Um, everyone was pretty sure they also got catcher Stephen Voigt for a backup catcher spot. Everyone was pretty sure the Cubs were going to be sellers, and Jack Peterson seemed like uh, you know popping the cork that was going to let all the talent flow out of uh, Chicago. It hasn't happened yet, though. Uh, they've been talked about like they're going to blow up that whole team. So far, it's just been Jack Peterson. Uh, you know, everybody's talking. Starling Marte is on the trading block in Miami. Uh, who else are they talking about here? Phillies and Nationals are acting like buyers. Um, the Yankees have been talking with everybody. Uh, everybody's interested in Chris Bryant. Byron Buxton, the, the Minnesota Twins, an interesting story linked out of the Twins. They were trying to 
re-sign him for this like seventy plus million dollar contract, and then if he didn't want to sign that contract, they were probably going to trade him. Buxton is the Minnesota Twins fans have to be incredibly frustrated because Buxton has all the talent in the world. I mean, he has the talent to be a Hall of Fame caliber player if he could just stay on the field and stop getting hurt. If he could just stay healthy. And I'm sure the Minnesota front office is like, we want to build around this guy. We want this to be our franchise guy, but we can't if he doesn't play. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Nobody's really talking about the Indians, right? They're talking about guys like Trevor Story in Colorado and stuff like that, and Joey Gallo in Texas. Everybody wants Gallo. Max Scherzer for the Nationals. Nobody's really talking about the Indians, and I feel like the moves the Indians are going to make are not going to break headlines. But they're definitely going to be something. I mean, it is not like Antonetti and uh, Chernoff to sit quietly through the deadline. They're either going to make some moves to make a run at the wild card, which they absolutely are in the running for the wild card. I mean, they just took the series over the team that holds the second spot in the wild card, Oakland, and they're about to go face the team that, uh, well, they got to face Houston first, but then they got Tampa Bay coming to them, who right now are in the lead for the wild card. So they are absolutely in the running still in this wild card, even though this is an incredibly difficult stretch of the schedule. So we'll see what these guys end up doing. I have a feeling it's not going to be like the Clevenger trade. It's not going to it's not going to rock, you know, rock baseball with the trade, but you could move a Cesar Hernandez and get the right kind of prospect, right? I got to imagine they've got to be looking for an outfielder that's just blocked right now, right? They're probably blocked by some all-star. They're stuck maybe in AAA or stuck coming off the bench. And they can go out there and give that guy an everyday spot in the outfield. I have to imagine that's what they're looking at. It'd be really hard to pick up a veteran te- uh, veteran pitcher if you are selling, right? If you're selling a Cesar Hernandez, if you're selling an Eddie Rosario, chances are if you're going for a veteran pitcher, it's a team that is down and out, and you're trying to snag a veteran pitcher from them, in which case you'd be trading a prospect. Now, it feels like every time the Indians make a trade, they have to give up like their first and third prospect in the system, whereas when other teams make trades, they're giving up like some guy from single A that no one's ever heard of before. So can the Indians snag one of those veteran pitchers for some single A guy that none of us even know? Hopefully that's the case. Other big MLB news, uh, Francisco Lindor, you know we've been keeping our eye on him all season. He just hit the IL with an oblique strain. So we will see how long that keeps Lindor out. The Mets have had a couple of injuries uh, right now that are really, really hurting them. And Lindor is just the latest name on the list. So, again, we're keeping an eye on whether Ahmed Rosario or Francisco Lindor end up with the better season. And this positions uh, Ahmed Rosario even better to finish with a better season than Lindor does. So Lindor will always have more power than Rosario, but... Right now, Rosario's having a better season. There's no doubt about it. So, all right, that's everything going on in the national news. We will see as more trades come down, as it's not just rumors and actual trades come down. We'll see how fun this trade deadline gets. All right, 
that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from California. It's the Indians for the Athletics 2. The Indians take the series. We'll be back tomorrow to cover this Houston series. It's Mejia going against Granke. So the Indians definitely have their work cut out for them facing a guy like Granke, a guy that can keep them off their feet, off balance all freaking day. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back in the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>